and welcome back to the Hearts Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number 86. My name is Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for being here. Do gotta apologize. It's been over a week since the last episode. I, you know, I was busy. There was other stuff I had to do, and I couldn't find the time to sit down and, you know, talk to you guys, talk to the mic, voice my opinions. So for that, I do apologize, but let's get to it. The Super Bowl has come and gone. There's been tennis tournaments that have come and gone. Felix Auger Elysium is now a champion, so shout out to him. Acapulco is here now. Acapulco Mexico Open is here. Dubai Open is here. Djokovic is back. The All-Star Weekend just passed. It was very, very, you know, upsetting. Um, didn't live up to the hype, the dunk contest, but the three-point contest was still all right. The game was, you know, mixed back. And what else we got to talk about? Bronny, LeBron, is that going to happen? LeBron's basically guaranteeing Bronny a ticket in the NBA. What do we think about all of that? Is Stafford an, a, a Hall of Fame player after winning the Super Bowl? Like, there's a lot of things we got to talk about, and we're going to get to it on this episode. So thank you for returning to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. I know it's been over a week, but you know what? Let's get to it. The Super Bowl. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. It's been over a week since it ended, so I just want to apologize again that I didn't get to talk about it. But what a game, right? 23-20. to 20, The Rams beat the Bengals. I did have the Rams winning, so shout out to the Rams for proving me right after the Chiefs proved me wrong last year, and I put a lot of money on them. But anyways, the Rams win. Stafford is a champion. OBJ is a champion. Aaron Donald's a champion. Vaughn Miller is a champion again. My boy Eric Weddle comes back from retirement. He's the champion now. Uh, Andrew Whit- Whitworth, 40-year-old man, is a champion. Sean McVay is a champion. There's a lot of people. Aaron Ramsey's a champion. There's a lot of people on the Rams teams that, you know, they needed that championship to cement their career, to really, you know, cement this era of the Rams in L.A., um, going all in, trading your first-round pick for established players, you know, putting all the chips in. And the Rams get it done. So I applaud the Rams because I like their philosophy. Go all in, put the chips in. If you have a good team, like, you know, basically fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it if we're over the cap. Fuck it if, you know, like our cap situation is kind of ruined two, three years down the line. Fuck it if we got to give up our first round picks. Like, let's swing for the fences. Let's go for it. Let's do it. Let's get rid of golf. He's mediocre. We all know he's mediocre. It doesn't matter that he got me to the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter that he did all this other stuff. It doesn't matter that he threw for over 4,000 yards, over 30 touchdowns a couple seasons. Like, it doesn't matter. We all know the eye test doesn't lie. That he, he's not it. Like, let's go get Stafford, who's not, like, a top three, top five quarterback, but who is a top ten quarterback who should be able to get you over the hump. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's trade for Von Miller before the trade deadline. Let's trade for Aaron Ramsey when he wanted to get out of Jacksonville. Let's let's just push all the chips and let's go get OBJ once the Browns don't want him. Let's do it. Let's 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 feel the sense of urgency. Let's feel that, you know, our front office is, is all in. Let's feel that this this that we're really about winning championships and that's all that matters. Let's do it. So the Rams have done that. They've been one of the teams that have consistently, you know, really set set the tempo, really built that environment where we're going to go for it and we're going to keep going for it and we're going to keep going for it and we're going to keep going for it. And they finally get it. So shout out to the Rams. I prefer that better than teams that, you know, like not, to, not to harp on like the Packers or something, but they've had Aaron Rodgers and I feel like they've never really 
gone for it. They've never gotten the free agents. They've never made the trades. They've never done all this stuff. They're just happy to have Aaron Rodgers. And obviously Aaron Rodgers has his faults too in the playoffs. But I feel like the 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 Packers don't go all in. And maybe if they went all in, they they would have had more more than one championship with Aaron Rodgers. But nevertheless, I'm happy for all I'm happy for all those players. I'm especially happy for OBJ after all the drama that he went on uh, his whole career basically. You know, the fallout he had with the Giants, the fallout that he had with the Browns, people questioning his character, people saying that Baker Mayfield was, you know, was a victim of OBJ and all this stuff. You, we've all heard Skip Bayless saying that, oh, he's a distraction, he's a distraction. You know, we can't judge Baker Mayfield because OBJ is ruining him. Like, that was all a bunch of baloney. You know, we all know that was that was cap. That was all just media spinning it, always hating on OBJ just because he likes to paint his hair. He likes to be fun on the field. So super happy for him to win it. Also happy... Well, I'm not happy for OBJ that he tore his ACL. He was having an exceptional game. He had the first touchdown for the Rams. Just a nice catch going up, high high pointing the ball. And uh, he had another big catch. And it looked like he was on his way to possibly, if, if Cooper Cup won the Super Bowl MVP, and, you know, he, he did his thing, he got his two touchdowns, and he didn't top 100 yards. OBJ was definitely, like, trending towards Super Bowl MVP, if, if you look at, the first quarter and how he was playing so it's unfortunate that he got injured and now he's gonna have to go through a grueling rehab process and we'll see if he ever gets paid again but that man just looked happy after the game he just looked relieved he looked like he had found his peas he was just happy to be a champion so I'm, I'm happy for obj shout out to obj i am so happy that you're a champion eric weddle ex-charger when i was a charger fan before they abandoned us and left us for la Eric Weddle was one of the stars for the Chargers, the beard. He was the leader of that defense. I, I, I'll always have love for Eric Weddle, even though he uh, he kind of uh, talked bad about the Chargers after the Super Bowl win, talked bad, talked bad about um, their GM and, and their ownership and stuff like that. And he basically said, uh, you know, when they let me go, I said I was going to have the last laugh. And, you know, I'm having the last laugh. And it's true. But I'm just happy for Eric Weddle. He's he's been a great player with the Chargers, with the Ravens. He's been a great player. Cinderella story, like this story is just crazy. Two years retired. Rams lose their safeties to injuries. <laughs> There's not that many good safeties out in the market. They hit up, you know, 38 year old Eric Weddle, and and he pulls up and he ends up leading the the Rams in tackles in the postseason. He end up he ends up. Wearing the green, the green dot on his helmet in the Super Bowl, calling the plays, he tours his his pack or something, and he keeps on playing. Like it's just, it's just crazy what what I was able to do and to leave the team in tackles to not just come back and you know play like a little bit and get a couple tackles and just not play bad. Like to leave the team in tackles and you could actually see his impact on the field. Incredible by Eric Weddle. I'm super happy for him. And Aaron Donald, you know, people are having him in the conversation with the greatest defensive players of all time. And I know it's fitting. Pro Bowl, all pros, like almost every season, if not every season. Like, he's just a, an animal. He's dominant. He needed the Super Bowl, and he, he made the plays at the end of the game. Uh, he stopped per- Perrine in the third and one. And and then he got the pressure on Burrow on the fourth and one. And if we everyone saw the replay, Jamar Chase was open. Um, or if he if 
Burrow would have had time to, you know, scan the whole field, you would have seen um, Jamar Chase being wide open. So the plays that Aaron Donald did to save the game, to um, to you know, basically wrap it up. Basically, after after he pushed Burrow at the end, on the Bengals sideline, and the Bengals players were trying to get on his face, that's when the uh, switch flipped. That was the Bengals' worst mistake. They got Aaron Donald mad, and it showed on the field. But overall, it was a good Super Bowl from the halftime show to the game to like the highs and lows of you know me as a neutral kind of, but rooting for the Rams, rooting for OBJ, rooting for Weddle, seeing OBJ go down, seeing the Rams offense kind of stall out, the Bengals score, they have that crazy play to start the second half where Aaron Ramsey gets his helmet pulled and then there's a no call and it was just, it was a lot of emotions and and then the Rams defense just keeping them in the game. Stafford leading them down the field when they really needed to have it. Cooper Cup getting the touchdown. And then Aaron Donald putting his stamp on it at the end. It was it was a good Super Bowl. It was a good Super Bowl. That's all I wanted. Last time the Rams were in the Super Bowl, it was a very boring game. Very, you know, snooze fest against the Patriots. Probably one of the worst Super Bowls in recent memory. So for for the Rams to, and the Bengals to put on a good show, I was happy. Like I said, the halftime show was amazing. Um, we cooked some food at the house. It was good. Everything. I have fond memories. A week out from the Super Bowl, I have a lot of fond memories for the Super Bowl. So I, shout out to the Rams for winning it. Shout out to the Bengals for putting up a fight. A lot of people are saying the Bengals are going to be back. I don't want to harp on their party and I want to be a, a negative Nancy. But, dude, that AFC stacked. That's all I got to say. I, there's no guarantees that the Bengals are going to come back. And even if they don't, like, it's all good, man. They had a great season. They hadn't won a playoff game in, like, 30-something years, and they made it to the Super Bowl. It was amazing. Um, amazing season by the Bengals. And like Burrow said, you're going to be sad for a little bit, but, you know, you got to take a step back and appreciate the season for what it was. And I think of the Bengals look back at their season. It was a great season. Are they going to come back? Who knows? The AFC stacked. But overall, great fucking Super Bowl. But the question that everyone keeps asking after the Super Bowl is... Is Matthew Safford Hall of Fame bound? And that's a very interesting question um, because Matthew Safford played 12 years with the Lions, probably the worst franchise in NFL history. They're terrible. Um, the reason they got Matthew Stafford is because they went 0-16. So, you know, you can't really fault. You can't really fault Matthew Stafford for not being able to fix the franchise, for not being able to turn it around, for not being able to be a perennial playoff team for not being able to get Pro Bowls and All-Pros and all that stuff. Because to be in a Pro Bowler, to get, you know, All-Pros, first-team All-Pro, like, you got to you gotta be in a winning team. It doesn't matter if you put up great stats, if your team's, like, 2-14, and 6-10, and 10, like, whatever record, 5-11. and 11, Like, you can't. You got to be at least 9-7, and 7, 8. You got to make the playoffs at least, like, a 6-seed or something. I know there's 7 seasons now, but back in the day, 6-seed. Like you just gotta show that your your numbers mean something. Like that your impact, like you're really impacting the score, the games, all that stuff. To be a Pro Bowler, to be a, a you know first team All Pro, more more All Pro than than a Pro Bowler because the Pro Bowl is a joke. But anyways, I digress. Is he a Hall of Famer? Like it's tough because you know I saw the statistic. He he, he has been in the NFL since it's turned past happy. So he's like the He's the quickest to, like, 25,000 yards. He's the quickest 30, 35, 40. He's the quickest to almost, like, all the barometers of yards. 
I don't know about touchdowns, but I, I do know yards. And he's had some like 40 plus touchdown seasons. And the one time he had a competent coach with Caldwell, and you know, he made the playoffs and he never won a playoff game before this season, but he made the playoffs with Caldwell and they had some type of success. And then they fired Caldwell because the Lions are a joke of an organization and they don't know what they're doing. But like, you know, one Pro Bowl in 13 years. Like three or four playoff wins now that he's with the Rams. One Super Bowl, no Super Bowl MVPs. The numbers do look good. Is he uh, is he a Hall of Famer? I would say right now no. I would say right now no, just because there's a lot of Lions years that we can't just ignore. And obviously the Lions are atrocious, but the the one caveat or like the the pushback that I think he will. Stafford will have is like not just that the Lions like we'll see how the Lions turn it around if and if they continue to suck for like the next 10-15 years and I think it'll strengthen Stafford's um case but if you look at how Burrow turned around the the Bengals Bengals you know not as bad as the Lions they they were perennial playoff team with uh you know AJ Green and Andy Dalton and even the early stages of Mixon so not as bad as the Lions, but, you know, the last few seasons before Burrow, they were terrible. They were a bad team, and Burrow gets there. They draft a couple pieces. They get him, you know, they get Burrow, his Megatron, which is like Jamar Chase. Not the same player, but I'm just saying, like, an elite number one. They put some pieces around him, and, and you know, boom, Super Bowl. Playoffs, Super Bowl, like, they just get it done. So Burrow could do it with the Bengals. But Stafford couldn't do it with the Lions, you know. You know what I'm saying? That's those are the where they're gonna nitpick at Stafford when he's trying to make his Hall of Fame case. Like, why could why could uh, why could Burrow do it with the uh, with the with the Bengals and you couldn't do it with the Lions? I know it's not the same. The Lions are something else, but still. Well, he does have the stats. He does have the numbers. He does have the Super Bowl now, and he does have the Rams ecosystem going for him. Like the Rams, if Sean McVay stays, if Aaron Donald stays, they keep Ramsey. Um, you know, Cooper Cup is there. We'll see what happens with, you know, OBJ and Robert Woods and all of that. But if he makes the playoffs the next three, four years, you know, he's he's pretty much a lock for four thousand yards, thirty touchdowns the next few years. So let's say Next four years, he makes the playoffs every every single time. That's like what? like He made like the playoffs like once or twice with the Lions in 12 years. Let's say he makes it to the playoffs five years in a row, six years in a row. That means 18-year career, 16-year career. He'll make the playoffs like six times. That's not too bad. You know, one-third of, one one of the years. Um, let's say he doesn't have to win another Super Bowl. Let's say he makes another NFC Championship. Maybe he gets to another Super Bowl. I don't think he has to win another one to be Hall of Fame. But if you just give him four four or five more years of 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, that, that's another 120 touchdowns. That's another sixteen to 20,000 more yards. And at that point, I think, like, there's no denying that he's a Hall of Famer. Like, he'll be so high up in the in the stats. He'll be, uh, you know, six-time playoff um appearances like he'll have six runs on him um let's say he wins one or two playoff games every 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 season like 
just you know wins the wild card, wins the divisional, or something like that. Two and one, one and one, zero oh and one, two and one. Like that playoff, that playoff numbers would start looking better. He he is one of the clutches quarterbacks of all time. He has a lot of fourth quarter um, comebacks. He had he did have really good fourth quarter numbers in the playoff run. There's a lot of stuff that could start coming his way. So I would say just right now, I wouldn't say he's a Hall of Famer, but I could definitely see how he will be a Hall of Famer three, four years down the line. So my money, if I was a betting man, I would say that Matt Stafford does make the Hall of Fame. And I could see where people would be like, "What? Like, dude, he's not no Hall of Famer right now. But I could see how he ends up in the Hall of Fame three, four years down the line. It's just like you just got to look at the numbers. You, you give him 16,000 more yards. You give him, like, 110, 120 more touchdowns. Like, bro, like, look at look at the numbers. Super Bowl champion. First year in the system, he wins it. Like, like you got, like, that's Hall of Fame, dude. There's no denying it. He does that. He's a Hall of Famer. He retires this year or next year. He's not a Hall of Famer. Put it that way. But I I think those numbers are realistic. Let me know if you think they're you know he there's no way he does that. I think they're very realistic. So if to end this video, I think he'll make the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. Felix wins at Rotterdam. He is now an ATP champion for the first time in his career. Felix Auger Elysium says that this is the greatest day of his career. Shout out to FFA. FAA, it's a long time coming, like 21 years old, his eighth final, and he finally gets it done, his maiden trophy, and he, I'm just so happy for the kid, man, I'm so happy for the guy, like, you saw how he started the season, he wins the ACP Cup with Canada, pulling up an upset, and you're like, okay, good for him, happy for him, like, you're kind of like, damn, he's super happy, it's a team team competition, good for Canada, like, but when is he going to win his first ATP title? And then he does really good in the Australian Open. Like, like really, really good. Like, he looks scary. He looked, he looked very scary. And then he loses to Medvedev in a five-set after being up 2-0 on Medvedev. And it looked like he could have won it. There's a tiebreak in the third set where he had his chances. And he just loses three sets in a row and loses to Medvedev in five. And Medvedev, you know, who had just beaten Djokovic in the U.S. Open, who was probably one of the best, if not the best hardcore player right now. And you're just like, okay, like it looks like something, it looks like something switched for him. It looked like something, you know, he looks a little different. He looks more aggressive. His, uh, his forehand looks a little more consistent. Like he's not making so many unforced errors. It, It just, he just looked like a different player on the court. Like, every match that he won in the Australian Open, it was like, okay, he looks good. He really looks good. He he beats, you know, Danny Evans. He beats, you know, Silage. He he competes against Medvedev. He has all these good moments in the Australian Open. You're like, okay, if he's playing this hot, if he comes out the gate in 2022 this hot, like, it's only a matter of time for Felix to get it done, you know? And then he, he faces he faces TC Paz in the finals of eight, uh, Rotterdam. And he beats him 6-4, 6-2, and it's just like, dude, this man is here. He has arrived. Like, you know, make way for Felix. Make make way for FAA because now that he has that monkey off the back, and you could tell that it was a big weight on his shoulders because he let it all out after the – obviously, this is made in trophy, so there's always going to – you know, you're always going to feel some type of way when you win your first trophy, but it was like an extra 
sense of accomplishment for him. Just because he's such a good player. He was in the top 10 already without winning a title. And <clears throat> it, you just got to take a quick look at YouTube. Any of his videos before he won this title. And you just see people being like, oh, man, this is a joke. Like, just criticizing the the, the point system. Like, how is Felix in the top 10? And he's never won, like, <clears throat> anything. He hasn't won any titles. And he's a top 10 player. Like, what a joke. Like, this is... This is a uh, the foolery. They're making a mockery of the eight of the system. Uh, any YouTube video, any you know, post by Tennis TV or ATP or any any of that tennis channel. If you see any of the posts, basically when he got to top ten, like oh congratulations, Felix, you're now a top ten player for the first time in your career. Almost all the comments, he has zero titles, top ten. Like this is a joke, top ten. Like all the comments were like around the same, and I get it. It does. It is a little eerie or a little weird that a player in the top ten has never won a title, and you know that's how much the Grand Slams are weighted differently. So, but you know he had to get that monkey off the back, and he gets a very convincing victory against TC Pat six four six two. The semifinal against Rublev, he dropped the first set, and it was like okay, the old Felix would have probably lost the game, but he came back and won, and he just looked really really good, man. And I'm very excited for him. I think he's going to have a very good 2022, very successful 2022. And I now put him in one of those categories of the players that could potentially push, you know, the big three, the big two right now for Grand Slam titles. Like, he's playing that good. And he just um, he just played the Open 13, and he lost to Rublev. Rublev is my guy. Number He's, like, number seven in the world now, number one in my heart. I saw him in the San Diego Open, and I was supposed to see FFA too, but he withdrew with the with the elbow injury, I think. So it was unfortunate I couldn't see FAA, but I saw Rublev, and he, he saw my hat. So I'm always going to mention that whenever I talk Rublev, but Felix just lost to Rublev in the in the final of the Open 13, so shout-out to Rublev for getting revenge, for losing at, in the semifinals to Felix just a week earlier at the ATP R- Rotterdam. Um, so... Good for Rublev. Good for Felix, too, getting to another final in back-to-back weeks. And he was scheduled to play at the Dubai Tennis Championships, but now he withdrew. I think he cited... I forgot what he... Oh, I think he cited his back. Dubai just started today. Felix, who had a very grueling schedule these last two weeks, going from Rotterdam to Open 13 and making the finals in both of them. It's understandable why he would withdraw from Dubai. And he has said, Felix has said that he wants to focus on Masters 1000s. And with Marge right around the corner, we have Indian Wells right around the corner. So it's going to be it's gonna be exciting to see Felix there. Potentially, I might even make an appearance at Indian Wells. It's right down, you know, California. I'm in SF right now, but it's right down the five. So I potentially, I'll be at Indian Wells and I can see Felix FAA. So, but other than that, I think Felix has this amazing start to 2022. I don't think his team or himself could have drawn it better. You know, make a deep run in the Australian Open, win your maiden trophy, make another final, you know, take take the necessary break, you know, skip on Dubai, and then just go get it at the Indian Wells. But just super happy for FAA. Let me know what you guys think about him. What's his potential? He's barely 21 years old. He's one of the young, young guys. Younger than like Zverev and TC Paz and Medvedev, he, you know, he's like two, three years younger than most of them, five years younger than Medvedev. And I think he's 
he's there, man. Everyone's talking about Sinner at 20, 20 years old, and he won all these championships in 2020, 2021. But, dude, I think FAA could just knock it out the park this year. He got that monkey off his back. He won the ATB finals with Canada. Deep run in Australian Open. Maiden trophy. Another final. Take a little break right now. Go go strong at Indian Wells. Like it's looking good, man. It's looking good for FAA. And he's such a humble guy. He he looks he always talks very like professional. And he just had this moment in the open 13 where one of his opponents, which opponent was it? I think it was Safulin in the semifinals. Um he had a point and they called it out and Felix kind of like turned around and he thought it was in. So he told him to challenge it and he did challenge it and Felix lost the point because he told him to challenge it because that was the correct thing to do. Like I even texted my buddy. I was like, dude, this was so on win right now that he doesn't care that he lost the point. He's telling him to like challenge it. Like he's such on a hot streak that he probably thought like, oh, even if I lose this point, I'm still going to win this game. And he did. So tip my hat for Felix. Sportsman, he's already showing, you know, Sportsman of the Year candidate, and he started 2022 really amazing. So, very happy for Felix. I expect great things from him the rest of 22, and I'm just happy he won his maiden trophy. Another young guy we got to talk about, Carlos Alcaraz, is now in the top 20 of the ATP rankings. He just won Rio, his second trophy in the at the ATP level. So, shout out to Carlos Alcaraz. He is definitely living up to the hype. With that victory, with him now being a top 20 player, he is he has gotten to the top 20 at a younger age than Djokovic, than Federer, and then Nadal. He beats Nadal by like 18 days, but he still beats him. And this Carlos Alcaraz hype train is just going and going and going, and it's not going to stop, man. He's a beast. He has a forehand. His serves are getting better. It looks like he's probably going to be a clay specialist, but I think he's, he's going to be super well-rounded, especially once his serve keeps improving but he's a top 20 player man he's only 18 years old the sky's the limit for this kid and he's showing that man the grit that he plays um the tenacity the all the intangibles that you can that you could talk about he has them and he has the skills to back it up too so dude if you're tired of Carlos Alcaraz you're tired of this hype shame like I feel sorry for you because this is not going anywhere man he's just gonna keep on rising those through those rankings man he's top 20 I can see by the time Wimbledon comes around or even by the at least by the U.S. Open, he, he's going to be like top 13, top 15. And by the end of the season, he's probably going to be top 10. Like there's no denying it. Carlos Acres is the hottest prospect in the ATP right now. He's only 18 years old. He's labeled as the next Nadal and he has that Nadal, <clears throat> that Nadal type ferocity. But his game is, you know, they're not the same. He He has... Other weapons, he's a, they're not the same player, but he has that same tenacity. And, you know, I love that about Carlos Alcaraz. And he he looks very humble. He looks very down to earth. And he looks like he's he stays very composed in tough situations. Smash points, 30-40 scores, break points. All of those tough moments, he looks like he takes them very, very well. And he kind of just dismantled Schwartzman in the final, dude. And it was it was a sight to behold. Especially because Schwartzman has won the real open. He's the previous champion and Alcaraz just took him, dude. Six four, six two. Alcaraz got broken in the first, like quickly. I think to open the game, Alcaraz was down one oh. He he couldn't hold his serve. <laughs> and he he didn't let that phase him at all. He just turned it around 
and just beat even won the first set six four after dropping his serve in the first opening game and just wiped Schwartzman off the court in the second set six two um and he had very uh, very impressive wins he beat Berrettini in the quarterfinals Fognini in the semifinals the Bonis, like he had a very you know interesting hard road to the final and he just got he got it done man and now he's top 20 his roads his his draws are just going to continue to improve he's going to face tougher competition later in the rounds instead of at the beginning so i just dude the sky's the limit for this kid and i've been aboard since i saw him at the u.s open and you know i wasn't too familiar with him before the u.s open i can't lie i can't you know say that i've been following this guy since like he was 15 like oh i know him since his first year in the juniors like now nah, i'm not gonna lie but since i saw him at the u.s open like dude that this guy got my attention and he looks like he's definitely the next big thing and i'm just so happy that i'm here to witness it and i look forward to enjoying this man's career for the next or not even man this kid's career for the next 10 15 years this future number one dude like there's if if, I, if there was one thing i would bet on in the tennis world right now is that this man is going to be the number one player at some point in his career. He's just that good to be an 18 year old and be in the top 20. The sky's the limit for this guy. What do you guys think? Is, is, is the hype warranted? Like should, should we calm down? He's won two titles. He's 18 years old. He's in the top 20. Now he just keeps climbing up the rankings. He, he's, his demeanor is like everything you would want to from a tennis player. His tenacity is, you know, his hard work, attitude the way he fights for every single point like this is the type of player you would want to develop if you were you know one of the elite academies in the world this this is the type of player that this this is the mold this is who you want so i'm excited carlos Alcaraz garfia he's here to stay man top 20 right now top 10 by the end of 2022 and Top five, somewhere in the middle of next year, dude. He, his arrow is pointing all the way up, dude. Like it just might be like a full, like straight up. It might there might not be a slant to his arrow, man. It just might just be straight up. So shout out to Alcaraz for winning Rio. Shout out for cracking top twenty. The sky's the limit, my guy. The sky is the limit. And this week we have two very important tournaments: Acapulco and Dubai. Both with star-studded draws. Djokovic is back. He's finally playing in 2022 after a long, long you know, time away from the ATP Tour. And Acapulco is back. Nadal is there. Medvedev, are we going to see a rematch of the Australian Open? It's going to be a very fun week. In the morning, if you're in the U.S., in the morning, you, you know, wake up, catch the Dubai Open. You go to work. You keep an eye on it. And you get off of work and the Acapulco Open is right there ready for you to tune in. I saw a little bit today of the Acapulco. I saw a little bit of the Dubai. Good stuff. I'm very excited to see the rest of the of the week. I think uh, if I was to do predictions on who's going to win, um, I think the easy answers for me would be just straight up go with Djokovic to win Dubai. He's won it before. He's won it five times. He's hungry. I'm, I'm sure he's going to let out a lot of his frustration that he had with the Australian Open into this draw. So if you draw Djokovic, like, it's going to be tough, man. He's definitely going to, I feel like he's going to, like, channel all of that anger and animosity and, you know, 
annoyance, all of that stuff that he felt from the Australian Open, he's going to channel it into his game. And you don't want to see a uh, you know, motivated, mad Djokovic. Cause it's, it's scary hours, man. Scary hours. So I think that's the easy pick, Djokovic. And now with FAA withdrawing, Djokovic and FAA haven't played before, I believe. So I do think FAA, with the form that he was in, getting his maiden trophy, getting over that hump, getting to another final... Like he, he, I know it was a grueling schedule and I've already talked about it. It makes sense why he withdrew. He's looking at Indian Wells, but I think it would have been just another more, you know, hurdle in Djokovic's path to the championship. But now, you know, he's still got, you still got Sinner. You still got, you know, um, Shapovalov. You got even my boy Andy Murray still in there doing his thing. You got Rublev, you got Karatev, you got Sinner. You know, there's going to be a lot of people fighting for this title. But ultimately, I think a motivated Djokovic, you know, trying to get, trying to keep that number one spot. He, he does say that, you know, eventually someone's going to take it. Medvedev, you know, keeps saying that eventually, you know, someone's going to take it. I wouldn't mind it being me. Everyone's downplaying the situation, but it, it is important, dude. There hasn't been a number one player in like forever that hasn't been Djokovic, Federer, or Nadal. So if, if if it happens this week, it's going to be history. It's going to be first time in forever. But I just don't think, I don't think Djokovic is ready to give it up. And I think he's going to defend his points. He's going to, he's going to get to the final. And he's going to probably win it. Like, and like I said, the draws are very impressive, but Acapulco is definitely tougher than, it's definitely tougher than Dubai. Nothing against Dubai. Very important draw too. Very exciting draw. But like Felix is not there. Rublev, you know, he's what's seventh now. Karatev has fallen in like to the twenties, I believe, or late teens. Sinner's still there. Like I think he's like ten or eleven. Um, so it's a good, interesting draw. Shapovalov is there. I believe he's like fourteen or thirteen. You know, there's good players in it. I can see. Potentially someone upsetting him. Rublev is in a good form too. Semifinals of Rondam. He just won the final against FAA. Got revenge. There's some young guys in here. Karatsev. Maybe he could turn the season around. He hasn't been that great. I could see people giving a scare to Djokovic, but ultimately motivated Djokovic, mad Djokovic, frustrated Djokovic. It's gonna be scary hours, man. I'm saying. I think uh, I think Djokovic should win the ATP Dubai Tennis Championships. And now if we switch over to the ATP Mexican Open, this is where it gets a little more interesting. This this is a star-studded lineup. I forgot what tweet I saw, but th- there's only been like two ATP 500s as stacked as this like in the last 12 years. I forgot which one it was. I saw the tweet. I'll try to post it. I'll try to put the link on the description. If I can't find it, I apologize. But just know that the Acapulco draw is... Just fucking stacked, man. You have, you got Medvedev, you got Nadal, you got Berrettini, you got TC Pies, you got Zverev. Like, bro, the Medvedev number one. I mean, number two player in the world. Number three, Zverev is there. TC Pies number four is there. Nadal number five is there. Like Berrettini, I believe he's like six or seven or eight. One of those twos. Like this, this is <laughs> this is such a star-studded. Um, Carlos Alcaraz was supposed to be there. But he's not there. Nor he's there. There's a lot of good. My boy, um, my boy uh, Taylor Fritz is there. So many good players, man. This is ridiculous. This is this is a star-studded lineup. 
my heart wants to bet with uh my heart wants to bet with Nadal. That's my guy. I just want him to keep climbing the rankings. Um but like I said, the, uh, Nadal has to take care of his uh his body. He has to prepare for the clay season. He has to make sure that he goes into the clay season at a hundred percent. So I could see him taking it a little bit easy, you know, chilling. Not not chilling, but you know, just Keep the eye on the prize, man. Indian Wells is around the corner. Everyone's going to be there, too. You want to do good at Indian Wells. Acapulco has been great to you. You've won it before. But all I'm saying is that if he doesn't win it, it's not the end of the world. There's other tournaments. Clay season's around the corner. So I, I, my like my head is telling me to go with somebody else. So if it's not Nadal, then obviously Medvedev. Even with Nadal there, he, he should be you know the favorite. It's a hard court. And then Kinsverev turned his season around. He's had a rough start to his season. Tsitsipas has a decent start. You know, he could he could cause some trouble. So I think I want to go Medvedev. I want to go Medvedev, but I think I think I'll go with Tsitsipas. I think Tsitsipas is a good it's a good bet. It's a good uh, I can see it. Medvedev would be the easy pick. I I can't see Nadal winning it just because. He just won the Australian Open. Clay season's around the corner. Like, I think he has to save himself a little bit or, you know, pace himself. I know he had some time off between the Australian Open, but I just, I'm thinking long long term. Nadal fans don't get mad at I mean, he's my favorite player all time. But if I had to make a prediction, I think TC Paz wins the Mexican Open. Um, and yeah, you heard it here first. I got Djokovic, TC Paz. Um, if TC Paz does win this, this would probably be up there and it's one of his best titles he's never won an atp 500 he's like oh and six now that he lost to faa at rotterdam but i think you know a favorable draw i would say this is his side of the bracket a little better let's see uh yeah he got zverev um he got brooksby carlos Alcaraz just dropped out cameron nori just won the title but how how much legs does he have left um yeah, so I think I think Tsitsipas could get it done. The other side has um, Medvedev, Nadal, and Berrettini, which are going to all duke it out. And this side has Tsitsipas, Zverev, who hasn't... I want to go Zverev, too, but he, his season has not been that great. He hasn't started the season that great. If you see those YouTube com- comments, you'd see people are hating on that. This is the natural Zverev, you know, good end of the season win the ATP finals, and then suck at the beginning of the season. So uh, we'll see. But, yeah, I think Tsitsipas wins Acapulco Open, and I think um, Djokovic wins the ATP Dubai. Those are my official picks. But switching over to the Premier League, the title race is back. Shout out Tottenham. Tottenham defeats Manchester City 3-2 in Manchester City in the Etihad after losing a 2-1 lead late to a penalty, which could be controversial, it hit his hand, it didn't hit his hand, whatever. Arsenal fans are saying that similar play happened to them not too long ago and it didn't get called. Whatever. City gets the tying goal. It looks in, in stoppage time. It looks like, damn, it's still a good result for Tottenham. They, I think they lost their last three heading into this game. So it's still a good result for them. And then they pull the unthinkable, unthinkable. Harry Kane gets the winner late. After having a goal nullified just like 30 minutes earlier because of an offsides, 
they get the win. 3-2. It's an all-time classic game. If you didn't watch that game, make sure to watch the highlights. Tottenham versus Manchester City this past weekend was probably the game of the season or it's up there, man. It was amazing. It had everything. It had VAR. It had goals called back. It had controversial penalty. It had, you know, great commentary, great, you know, insightfulness. It had the weight of this season hanging in the balance. It's like, dude, if if Tottenham's just able to get this victory, like, it'll be a three-point lead for City on Liverpool and they have a game in hand and they're playing in April and it's just like, dude, we want to see a title race. We don't want to see t- um, as as far as neutrals or people that aren't City fans or Liverpool fans, like we just want to see a title race. We don't want to see City just run away with it. We want to see a title race and thanks to Tottenham, shout out to Kane. We have a title race, dude. It's great. Are you guys excited as I am? Like, I'm pumped up. I hit up my Liverpool homie, Matt, who's been on the show, who's probably going to be on the show soon to talk about more of this. But when this happened, when they took the goal away from Kane to push it to 3-1, I was like, no, it's not in the stars, man. It's not in the stars. It's not going to happen. City's going to come back. They're going to score a tying goal. They're going to, you know, lift themselves with that far taking the goal back. And they're going to, Tottenham's going to blow it, man. Like, they just, they just lost three in a row. But they held on. Yoris had a howler in the first half, but he had, he made it up in the second half. Had a lot of important saves. Harry Kane looked amazing, dude. He hasn't been that great this whole season. He's had his up and downs, more downs and ups. But he definitely showed City, like, what they're missing out on. Yeah, you don't need a striker. Yeah, your system can be played with the false nine. You don't need a regular out and out number nine but man if you had harry kane they would make your life so much easier and he showed it so shout out to harry kane he bought out he showed Guardiola. he showed city what they're missing out on and i could definitely see city i could definitely see guardiola going up to his 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 board and being like bro did you just not see the master class this guy put on tonight at etihad like we gotta go get this guy like throw that money at on him but, man, what a game. Amazing game. Like, I be, I literally became a Tottenham fan, like, the whole second half. when Especially when they took that 2-1 lead and they were holding on for dear life. I was like, dude, like, just hang on, please. I want to have a race. I don't want City to run away with it. That's not fun. That's not fun. I, I'm a Wolves fan, and we're fighting for top four, and I'm happy for how my Wolves are playing. Shout out Bruno Lodge. But as a Premier League fan, as a fan of football i want to see a competitive race i want to see it go down to the to the last week or two and for a for a second there in the beginning middle of january it looked like city was going to run away with it it looked like you know the afcon the africa cup cup of nation was going to disrupt liverpool and they were never going to be able to catch up to city but now we're just three points away and it, anything's possible and i'm super pumped so shout out to Tottenham, shout out liverpool for now you know, dropping points when San, uh, when Mane and Salah were gone, and let's let's do it, guys. Premier League, Premier League fans rejoice. We have a race, man. We have a we have a championship race, and we got a top four race, and we got a Europa League race, and it's gonna be great. This season still has a chance to be one of the all time greats. Like I thought before the season, it's not gonna be a four, top four race. United 
fell apart a long time ago, and then Chelsea followed after. But it looks like Liverpool and City are going to go down to the wire, and that should make everyone happy. The NBA All-Star Weekend has come and gone, and it was a mixed bag, man. Steph Curry, the stars lit it up, the All-Star game itself wasn't bad. It was entertaining. LeBron had that game winner um, to close it out. They celebrated the 75 best in the NBA. That was cool. It was nice to see Jordan. It was nice to see all the grades. Garnett, you know, even Pierce. It was all right. They had a little slight look or ignorance of um, at Ray Allen. So that was, that was you know, a little funny. It was nice to see the grades there. Obviously, it was sad not to see Kobe there. That was a sad moment. He should have been there rejoicing with the greatest 75 of the NBA. But overall, man, like the dunk contest was atrocious. It was terrible. It's probably one of the worst ones we've had in a while. It was boring. There was no excitement. They kept failing. Like obviously, I don't want to, I don't want to harsh them. You know, judge them too hard. Like people are gonna be like, bro, you can't do better. You can't. All right, I get it. I can't. But I'm just judging it on on the NBA spectrum, on the spectrum of NBA dunk contests. It was probably one of the worst ones. The crowd was not into it. They took too many attempts. I think that killed the excitement. Even even though they would have hit it like first time, most of those dunks weren't anything like ridiculous. Obviously, Levine and Gordon like raised the level so much that the years after anything after that is gonna feel like a letdown. But even if even if you wouldn't have the Levine and the Gordon, even if you compare it to other ones, this one was still let down. Like I said, the crowd was not into it. They took too many attempts. Even I think the final the final round was even worse than the main round. Like Toscano, I understand. I, like I love you, my guy, but like you took way too much. Uh, shout out for repping Mexico. The kicks were dope. The jerseys were dope. Like you know, the, the swag was dope. The tire was dope, but. <laughs> the attempts were not it. That dunk contest was atrocious. It was like everyone was like, "All right, let's wrap it up." You know, <laughs> D Wade said it best. Like this is this whole dunk contest is a six. Like <laughs> it's bad. It was bad. Let's be honest. It was bad. Like they gotta fix that. They gotta get more stars into it. It can't just be a bunch of role players in the dunk contest. Like the the champion from last year should come back and defend it. There should be some parody. They should they should change it. They need to get stars into it. They need to make it a little bit more interesting. I don't know. They got to do something because this is not working out. Like, I feel like for the most part, the last few dunk contests after the Levine versus Gordon, it's been kind of disappointing. There has to be something else. Incorporate a one-on-one tournament or something. Change it up. There has to be something because the three-point contest is still exciting. It's still dope. Um... Shout out to Cap for winning it. That was cool. Nothing nothing really has to be said about the three-point contest. Cap broke the record for most points. Shout out to him, 29 points. He won it. Best shooting big man of all time. Maybe a conversation for another day. I think he's up there. He has a case. Um, it was fun. Three-point contest is always fun. It's always solid. People catch fire. It's it's entertaining. It's fun. There's you don't got there's nothing we got to talk about the three-point contest. It's fun. The the setup is fun. The Mountain Dew ball, that little addition they did a couple years ago, that's fun. That's great. The game itself, not bad. Um, obviously, it's just a scrimmage, just a pickup. There's no defense. Three-point contest. Three-point shots are dope. Curry's scoring 16 threes is dope. All the dunks they do, probably better than the contest. 
I, that's fine. It's cool. But I think the skills challenge, they changed it up a little bit. I think it was cool. But the dunk contest feels like it needs to be revamped or... I don't know. You can't end on a dunk contest that's that disappointing. So something has to be done. The All-Star Weekend, was it was good. It was great to see all the greats out there. Um, it was sad. I definitely had a sad moment thinking about Kobe and how he should be there, you know, collecting his flowers, being being in the center of attention, showing his personality, showing that big smile, showing that presence that he always carries himself with. I think that's that's what resonated with me the most this all-star weekend that just Kobe's not there and he should have been there. And, you know, we got to appreciate LeBron. We got to appreciate Michael Jordan. It was great to see Michael Jordan out there with everybody else, laughing it up, showing some love, you know, Michael Jordan could be a little cold. Sometimes he could, you know, turn his shoulder to a lot of people. A lot of times he's not the warmest to the current generation of NBA players he stays out of the limelight a lot of times, even though he's an owner. So it was nice to see him out there, you know, kind of grab-assing a little bit, hugging people, you know, giving them little punches, giving little little like jabs, you know, like, like you know, you know, you know, you know what I'm trying to say, just like in good nature, like, ah, like, what's up, man? How you doing? It was good to see him. It was good to see all the greats there. Like I said, I wish Kobe was there. Shout out Kobe, RIP, my guy. Um, but yeah, All Star Weekend was cool. It wasn't anything crazy. Like all, I think we all just got to accept that any all-star game, for the most part, it's not going to be fireworks. It's not going to be anything crazy. It's just going to be a good time for the NBA players to take a break, you know, put their feet up, play some, play some poker in the locker room, just kick back and have a good time. If you go into the all-star weekend expecting, you know, the dunk contest to blow you off your chair, if you go there trying to see a very competitive all-star game and you know you want to see the best players actually like competing and going all out and playing good defense and you know just having a best show ever during the all-star game you're gonna be let down you're gonna be let down like you just got to understand that this is a break for the players it's a celebration of the players that are having a good season and they're just there to have fun they're there to chill they're there to you know spend some time with all the elites in the league this year, it was a good time to, you know, acknowledge all the greats from the from the NBA. And overall, good All-Star weekend. Could be better. Let's see if they revamp the, the contest, if they add something else for that day, maybe a one-on-one contest or something. That will be dope. Overall, good All-Star weekend. And to end this, we got to talk about LeBron and Bronny. LeBron has stated before, but this weekend... He reiterated that whoever gets Bronny is going to get LeBron. Whoever drafts Bronny is going to get LeBron. Now, keep in mind, LeBron, by the time Bronny is eligible to be in the NBA, if he goes one and done in college, he will. LeBron will be 40 years old. And it, it kind of it's kind of been insinuated that LeBron is just going to play one year. So the question I have is, like, which team is going to just want LeBron for one year to get Bronny, like, like logistically does that make sense like LeBron didn't win it his first year with the Lakers didn't win it his first year with the Heat didn't win it his first year with the Cavs if I remember correctly so or maybe he did but for the most part it takes a year or two to gel to to get stuff going and like at that point LeBron's gonna be 40 and is he gonna play his 41 his age 41 season like 
And how good is Bronny going to go? Like, are you just wasting a first-round pick getting Bronny to get LeBron? Like, I don't know, man. I don't I don't know how the logistics of that will work. I do want to see LeBron and Bronny play. I think it'll be dope to see a dad and a son play together in the NBA. Um, I can't give Ken Griffith Jr. did it in baseball, but their rosters are bigger, so it's easier to, to do it. Man, both of them were good. Ken Griffith Jr. was probably the best prospect. So it's not the same. Bronny is not is projected probably to be a second round pick. He's not projected to be like an elite, elite prospect. So I think LeBron is just guaranteeing that his son's going to play in the NBA. He's going to have that experience. He's going to be able to put that Jersey on and I'm not mad about it, dude. This happens everywhere else in every profession, dude. You see people make it, make it, you know, up the ladder in a company and boom, like my son, your son, their sons are guaranteed like, at least some some position in the company, and when it times when it comes time to promote, you best believe that the son of one of the managers is gonna have you know first dibs at that promotion. And if the CEO has his son in the company or something, best believe his son's gonna be a candidate for any type of pay raise or promotion. And that's just the way life is. It, like you get it, people are gonna take care of their own. Parents are gonna take care of their own, dude. When, 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 like, that's how the real world, work, real world works. So, if LeBron is trying to do the same for Bronny, if he's trying to get him a spot in the NBA, like, dude, I get it. That's, that's how the life works. Like, obviously, I may be able to comprehend this because I'm not going to the NBA. I'm not fighting for a spot. If I was a player that, you know, it's in the same year and I'm probably ranked a little bit higher than Bronny and I might not even make it to the NBA, even though I'm, you know, I have a higher ranking than Bronny for my for my class. I might feel slighted. I might feel like, damn, that should have been my spot, dude. Like, I had a higher ranking coming out of high school. I'm a better prospect coming out of college. And you're in the NBA just because your dad is is the all-time great, possibly the greatest player of all time. Like, duh. Like, yeah, that's how it works, dude. Just suck it up. That's how it works. That's how the real world works. And... That's just how it is. So I have no fault in LeBron doing that. If I'm Bronny, is that what I want? Um, maybe, maybe not. Like, if, if I know I can't make it to the NBA, I, I might just take my L and be like, you know what, Dad? Like, like, I don't need all this pressure. I don't need you to do all of this for me. Like, I'll just, I could do other stuff with my life if the NBA is not for me. But I could also be a little selfish and be like, yeah, dude, like, plug me, plug me up. Plug me the fuck up, man. Get me on a team. And, like, I'll promise I'll work, work hard and... Maybe once I'm in the league, I could just keep working and working, and eventually, like, I'll be a rotational player. I'll be, uh, you know, the fifth best player, the fifth best starter, or, or something. I might be able to make a career once I'm already in there. So plug me up, plug me up, Dad. Like, let's do it. So, am I mad about this? No, I think LeBron is doing what a lot of parents would do, given his situation. Given, you know, Bronny is a talent, and he does have a chance to make the NBA. I'm not mad about it. I'm just the logistics as from the team perspective. I don't know how many teams are actually going to bite on LeBron being, you know, being their face of the franchise. Because wherever LeBron goes, he's going to be the face of the franchise. And if LeBron and AD can't do it with the Lakers, like, and Russell Westbrook, for yeah, I know they're, they don't mesh. But you got all those three players and, and they can't even, like, sniff a regular playoff spot, like, your team better be good if you're going to get LeBron because LeBron and AD are struggling. So 
Like, does getting LeBron really at age 41, is it really going to take you anywhere? Like, I don't want to talk down on LeBron, but I mean, if anyone can do it, it'll be LeBron. But it's just a lot. It's a lot. There's still so many years to, to be had. Like, unfortunately, LeBron has been dealing with more injuries as he's getting older. Nothing too serious, but we don't even know, like, how his body's going to be at that time. We don't even know how good of a player he's still going to be. We just got to wait and see, but main takeaway from this is I, I applaud LeBron for doing that for his son, basically guaranteeing him a spot in the NBA, and I'm interested to see how, if if someone really bites for it or if you know it all just becomes a footnote and no one really overdrafts Bronny to get LeBron and they never get to play together. I do want to see it happen, though, so I'm rooting for someone to actually do it, but we just got to wait and see. But that should do it for episode number 86 of the Heart to Handle Sports Podcast. Like I said earlier, I apologize for lagging it on the episode for so long. I've been busy, I've been you know, work and other stuff, but I'm back now. Episode 86, 87 should be out soon. Make sure to stay tuned to the Acapulco and Dubai. It's going to be great tournaments. And the Premier League race is back. I'm super pumped. Have a great rest of your day. Uh,